Hello and welcome to Page 29, the DePaulia's weekly podcast about the stories we're covering this week. I'm Lacey Latch, the print managing editor, and I'm hosting things because Shane Renee was busy covering the Leadership Town Hall, and he's here to talk about what Esteban had to do. And we're also here with the online managing editor, Bianca Checa, to discuss how enrollment declines may impact your class schedule. So Shane... Talk to us a little bit about what this leadership town hall really offered to students. Yeah, so this uh, town hall was primarily kind of aimed at faculty and staff. It was an open forum for any faculty and staff to show up at and kind of a update from the uh, State of the University address that Esteban had this past fall um, as we come into March, which is budget season for um, the university. This next month, a new budget will be um, proposed to the Board of Trustees, and they'll vote on it. And we've got a few things that DePaul is really starting to contend with right now. Since the beginning of the year, this administration has been really consistent that the top priority for the university is improving enrollment. Enrollment figures are declining nationally at a rate of about 1.7%. At DePaul, it's a little bit more than that, just above 2% decline in enrollment. Um, This past fiscal year, that landed particularly hard in uh, a few places. Transfer student enrollment was down about 10%, which is a pretty significant number. And then continuing undergrads and graduates each had about a 3% decline. Now, this is kind of balanced out a little bit by the largest freshman class we've ever had in school history, which beat projections by about 5%. But overall, on balance, um, you know, you have about five to six hundred students who are not at this university they were projecting to have there. And you think about a $50,000 a year, you assume just initially that they're not getting any financial aid, that adds up really fast. That's how you get to the number that was laid out in this presentation, which is a $14 million shortfall in uh, tuition revenue. So there's now f- $14 million fewer dollars that the university has at um, its disposal. Now, this isn't as dire a situation as it could be um, because one of Esteban's main focuses since he's gotten here is raising money. That's really been kind of the chief focus of him, his operations as the president. That's really his job is to try and bring resources into the university. It's important to keep in mind that any institution of higher education is only as strong as the, as the financial resources they have available. That's how you create programs that attract students and then end up bringing in more money. It's very cyclical. You need the money in order to attract the students that are going to help you make money long term. And so this is a, a really tricky situation for DePaul because they're already starting to lose students. They have this big budget problem. And so they are kind of caught in the middle and kind of walking um, a high wire in trying to bring in the budget in a little bit, make sure that um, they're not spending too much money, but at the same time, making sure that they're investing in things like professors and programs um, to try and bring more students to DePaul. So you got to spend money to make money, and right now they don't really have the money to spend. But the reason this isn't so dire is because as Esteban has been bringing in a lot of money, particularly this year, the Blue Demon Challenge, they ended up clearing $2 million, which is huge for kind of supplementing the um, operating budget that they haven't um, that hasn't taken too big a hit because of that they can basically supplement all of that but this is really going to be a big problem that they're gonna have to try to invest work within the budget 
I did talk to a couple professors um, who asked questions at the leadership town hall about how you balance that kind of conservative approach and how tightening the budget is going to really make it difficult for them to grow programs or put a strain on programs that are trying to grow and are growing slowly, it's going to really kind of hurt some of that. So it's a very interesting balancing act that they're in right now. What are some of those programs? What are some of those faculty that express some of that concern? What departments mm-hmm. are they in? So I spoke with Professor Leonard Jason, um, who has been here for about 45 years. He's one of the longest serving uh, faculty at DePaul, um, I, I would assume in the history of DePaul. <laughs> um, but he is uh, part of the community psychology and the psychology program uh, writ large. And this is one of the larger programs uh, on campus. It's about 4% of all undergraduate and graduate students are psychology majors. This is bigger than the, and that's what a, a program within a school. And that program alone is bigger than the music school. It's bigger than the theater school. It's bigger than communications um, and a couple of other programs here. So it's a really big um, program. And he talked um, about how he has concerns that they're not going to be able to compete if they if they get this kind of tightening of the budget, they're not going to be able to compete with schools like Loyola, who already has even more psych students than they do. So he's really concerned that his program may see some students kind of run to other schools in the area who are competing very directly with DePaul. Loyola is in many ways, it's difficult to measure, but in many ways it is kind of our most direct competition. And his concern is that if we get too conservative with the budget, we're not going to be able to um, retain those students or get them here in the first place. Does this impact students at all, or is this really just a faculty more meta concern, or is this going to have a direct mm-hmm. impact on the students that are attending DePaul right now? You know, one of the points that um, Jason made is that there are two most important the two most important groups on stamp on campus are the students first of all, quite obviously, and then second the faculty because and the staff, but largely faculty because it's that group is who's providing the service to those students. Mm. So again, it's a giant bureaucracy, things kind of move through the layers. So anything that directly affects faculty is in the long run, and not even in the long run, really pretty quick, it's gonna hit students. We saw lots of buyouts at the end of last year. You had to be a tenured professor to do that. And if you're a tenured professor, you're here for a long time, you have the ability to set up robust programs that offer students the ability to, as Leonard put it, get credentials, get unique credentials that few people have so they can get into grad school and be really competitive in the marketplace. So as soon as those budget cuts hits faculty, it's not long after that that it's going to hurt students and just the options and the opportunities that students have could go pretty quickly or at least limit themselves. And I know in the past Esteban has been pretty confident in the school's ability uh, to rise up. Um, how does he really approach this budgetary deficit right now? Because $14 million is is quite a, a, quite an obstacle to overcome. So what is his outlook? Is he optimistic? or? He did express quite a bit of optimism. Um, one of... And he, he started this whole thing um, relaying the goals that he laid out to say the university address, which are two things, really. Um, in, improved DePaul's rankings across three different categories. Top 50 urban universities, we're about 72 right now, so that's not a huge 
um, jump uh, to become a top 10 Pelated University. I believe we're in like the 17 ballpark right now. And then we want to become a top five Catholic University. And we're between like 20 and 12 on that ranking, kind of depending on what you're looking at. I think US News and World Report has about 12. So to get in the top five there, I mean, there are a lot of, we'll know this, there are a lot of really great elite Catholic universities out there. That might be kind of a tough one. But the other uh, goal is to grow the endowment to a billion dollars. Um, DePaul over the, the fiscal year 2018 to 2019 had one of the biggest growths in their endowment across all colleges. They had about a 17% increase in their endowment from about just shy of $600 million. And now they're basically at $700 million endowment, which is a huge increase in one fiscal year. If the Blue Demon Challenge, where they raised $2 million, is any indication of the direction we're moving, that's probably only going to get better. We're not necessarily going to grow at a 17% clip year after year, but um, things are moving in the right direction there. So if fundraising can continue to stay strong, that's really the kind of the bottom line for this, because if they have a big endowment, they can put resources where even if they're seeing a little bit of tuition, um, tuition revenue fallout, they can kind of still bolster those programs, still get, maintain the resources in order to draw students in and fix that um, that problem. But in the meantime, without that endowment fully ready to go, um, he is still relatively confident um, because this because Paul's not alone in this largely. Um, they're a little bit worse, maybe you could argue, than the nation at large. But he does have a lot of faith in you know. You can dismiss this, but he has a lot of faith in the mission of DePaul and there being some commitment to that and in turn kind of a commitment to um, getting through this together. But people like Salma Ghanem, who's currently the interim provost, um, she was really candid about how this is not going to solve itself quickly. This is not going to be easy. It's going to be really difficult for a lot of faculty, a lot of administrators, and on the margins to begin with, but long term, it's also going to be potentially kind of tough on students as well. Thanks a lot for your reporting. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Great. All right. So now kind of backpacking off of that enrollment problem, Bianca Cheka is here to discuss how that enrollment decline will impact students in terms of classes. So what were you looking at this week and what did you find? So I looked, at, looked into how many classes were offered in spring 2018 and all the quarters in between then and this upcoming spring quarter 2020. Um, and I found that there's 797 fewer classes overall in the university compared to two years ago. Um, and it's not like there's this directive from up above that um, to save money um, departments need to cut classes, but departments are encouraged to not offer classes that only have a few people enrolled or no one enrolled in them. So when that happens, those classes just get cut. Um, sometimes those are classes that people really need to take to graduate or they really want to. Either way, it can mess someone's schedule up when they're enrolled in a class and it just gets cut. Did any school get affected particularly or was this kind of just equal across the board at, at school? So, I mean, some definitely have had more classes lost than others, but um, pretty much every school except for the music school saw a decline in the number overall. Um, that being said, it varies by campus. So some um, schools had 
more classes added to one campus and then a decline in the other campus. So for example, the College of Science and Health has 89 fewer classes in Lincoln Park than it did in 2018, but it added two more um, in the loop for next quarter. And then the College of Communication will have like 14 more in Lincoln Park, but then 29 fewer in the loop. So it really um, varies. And then online classes in particular saw like the least decline. A lot of them actually had more online classes than they did two years ago. Do you know why that is? Did the administration make that clear of why they are leaning so hard on online classes? So there isn't really like a clear explanation that I have right now at least, but um, I mean, from what they said about like demand for classes impacting whether they're offered or not, you have to kind of assume that it's because there is a demand for those classes. Are students aware that their classes are not as on the course catalog that they might be used to or, to, or classes they're expecting to take that they've been planning ahead for aren't there anymore? They may not be aware of exactly why, but they may be looking for a class that they wanted and they just can't find it or they just can't find as many classes on a particular campus as they wanted. So then they're like, well, what can I take on the, on a campus that's more convenient to me and that will meet my requirements? Um, in one case, a student said that she couldn't get enough communication studies elective classes that are communication studies classes. So she's just been taking like random minors and she has like two or three minors now, one that she didn't even know about. Um, yeah, and her advisor just said, yeah, you can do this to help meet your requirements, but she's not taking the communication studies classes that she signed up for because that's her major, but she wants to graduate on time, so she's just taking whatever she can get. So this seems to be really impacting students on whether they know it or not, yeah. what it's directly connected to. That's really interesting. Well, thank you for all your reporting. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you both for coming here, and I really appreciate both your reporting. And I hope uh, our readers join us next week for page 29. Thanks for having us. I'm Lacey Latch.